0: Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Jayanelli. Fifteen years ago I killed Master Hand. Today, his brother Crazy Hand has come seeking vengeance.
1: I'm Lorelei Weisel, and after thinking he was too big for brawl, turns out I'm a Ridley main.
2: I'm Brian Dawes, and they keep nerfing my mains. First it was Pikachu, then it was Samus. Stop it!
3: Stop it! And I'm Ashley Barrow, and I don't play Smash, so my main is the hero of Ferelden.
1: Diversity!
0: This is not actually a Smash Brothers podcast, so we're not going to go any further than that.
1: Oh, then I quit.
0: If you would like to play with any of us, you can always sign up on our Patreon, where we have a Smash Brothers uh, discussion, where we've been trading friend codes, and I'm going to get in there and start beating people up, because I've finally unlocked almost all the characters, at the very least all the characters I care about. So this week, there's not a whole lot to talk about news-wise, with the exception of we got a double helping of Magic Story. We've got both Chandra, number one, the new comic from IDW, and we got a new free novella, 120 pages, from Brandon Sanderson called Children of the Nameless where he has a Planeswalker character that he got to design from the ground up and got this like cordoned off section of Innistrad that he just got to play with and run wild with. And it is fantastic, but we're also going to be talking about it next week because not all of us have read it yet, number one. And number two, not all of you have read it yet. So I'm not sure by the time this podcast releases, everyone's going to want to hear spoilers just yet.
1: We were told a couple weeks ago on Weekly MTG to keep our ears and eyes open for a cool magic story thing happening in December, and me, the dumbass, said, Oh, I bet it's some neat little holiday story. Maybe they'll do something fun with Tamio and her family. Nope, we're getting a whole novella, not just like a one-shot web fiction thing. And we didn't even know this existed until the day before it released, which... In retrospect, probably not great marketing on Watsi's part, but it's still a whole free novella from a really famous author, who, by the way, is also a huge Magic fan.
2: Oh, and if you listen to the uh, Daily MTG thing today, it was blatantly apparent how entrenched he is.
0: Brandon has been talking about a secret project for a little while, and it turns out that this is what that was. It was good, though. It is extremely good.
1: If you head over to the Magic Story page, the wonderful new page we talked about on last week's episode, you can download the whole novella for free from the banner right at the top of the page. There is also a link to the Comixology page to purchase Chandra Number 1, and also a link to pre-order the Ravnica novel that will be out next year.
0: So moving on to listener questions. The first question is, what is Project Lightning Bug? And is there some cards before MTG GRN, that's Skills of Ravnica, that make reference to it? I only find information in Arena and the Hour of Devastation
1: stories. That's a question from at Jason Vorthos on Twitter.
0: Project Lightning Bug comes from a story of the same name, that aired right after Magic Origins, but before Battle for Zendikar. It's one of the five stories that falls under that slot. It is not currently up on the new Mothership story site, but that might be fixed by the time you hear this podcast. Project Lightning Bug is essentially a planeswalker detector. It is obviously important to the story as of Guilds of Ravnica, because the the card Thousand Year Storm makes reference to it, with all of the lightning bolts going off. But that's basically what it is. It's a planeswalker detector. I had suspicions last year that that technology was what fueled the Aether Compass that guided Vraska to the Immortal Sun, but that's a whole separate issue.
1: And to answer the actual question, Jay, there was no real reference to the Project Lightning bug on the cards until Thousand-Year Storm, so that was kind of hidden for a little bit. The important part is that it was a niv project that Ral Zarek shut down because there was a regularity in the data that would make it clear that it was something that niv could follow up on and something regular that was happening and not just, like, random data points. It was all Gideon's fault.
0: Because he planeswalked to the same spot over and over
1: again. Regularly, day and night, between Zendikar and Ravnica. So while Rao had the project shut down publicly, he privately kept the magic that supported it and would feed Jace information about who was going to and leaving Ravnica. So, for example, there was a point where he tells Jace, hey, by the way, Vraska, she was here and then she left and I couldn't track where she went to. It's a mystery. We learned later that she was going to Ixalan, which Rao wasn't able to track because it was kept hidden by the Immortal Sun. What Rao is going to do with this project in the Guilds of Ravnica story is a little unknown now, but we will find out once the third Ravnica set's story starts up.
2: That little blurb about Vraska always kind of confused me because the fact that he lost track of where she went gives me the impression that. He essentially has some kind of compass or map of the multiverse that he can tell what plane people are going to, and I'm really interested in how that works, or if we're ever going to get a, a card with that like map or something.
1: Well, we know planeswalkers can track ether trails as other planeswalkers planeswalk through the multiverse if they pay attention. My guess is part of the magic of Project Lightning Bug, and by magic I mean magic and technology because it's is it stuff can kind of track those ether Trails automatically. It's hard to describe the Blind Eternities as a map because it's, it's less that planes are closer or farther away to each other in physical space than they are in metaphysical space. Planes that are quote-unquote close together are just easier to planeswalk between, whereas planes that are quote-unquote farther away are harder to planeswalk in between. But that has no relation to physical space especially after the Mending where Dominario was kind of a metaphysical hub of the multiverse, and now there just is no Nexus. So it's tricky, it's complicated, it's magical. We don't know exactly how it works, but I think the metaphysics of the Blind Eternities and Planeswalking are sound enough that we can have a pretty good idea of why and how it works without needing to get all the gritty details.
0: So the next question comes from... At Mageblade02, how aware is Bolus of the Phyrexians, and why hasn't he done more to contain, destroy, or use them? And the simple answer I will put out there is he doesn't really care all that much.
1: I mean, he didn't care about releasing the Eldrazi Titans. He has, well, he pretends to have no fear. He's very arrogant. He has actual fears. But He basically doesn't consider anybody else a threat to his power other than Ugin. He is absolutely aware of New Frexia. He's the one who sent Tezzeret there in the Scars of Mirrodin block. I don't think he cares too much. They're not planeswalkers, so he's not that concerned. And it's interesting to me because he didn't experience the Frexian invasion. He was dead at the time. He never got to experience the devastation that Dominaria felt himself. I'm sure he knows about the invasion from secondhand sources. And he was absolutely alive when the whole Thran Civil War happened and the Frexians and Yogmouth were created in the first place. And he knows where Frexia is in a lower tier of canon because he brings Ramsey's Overdark there in the Legends 2 cycle. He definitely didn't care, pre mending. And. He doesn't consider them a threat to him now, so they're not really a concern. I like we still don't know why he sent Tezzeret there, other than to potentially destabilize their leadership. So like maybe he thinks they could be a threat one day, but if he undercuts them now, then he doesn't have to worry about it later. I don't know.
0: Our final listener question comes from the little E on Twitter. And the question is, did the Rakdos stop being the mining guild and become the entertainment guild? Ashley, can you answer that one? They're your favorite.
3: Did they stop? Well, yeah, definitely. That They don't do mining anymore. Their jobs now are entertaining people, both like at the surface level. They do they totally innocent entertainment, like juggling and puppet shows. Then you go deeper, and they have more depraved kinds of entertainment. Things like the literally BDSM and... You can also just go there and they'll just kill you. It'll be great. Because, I mean, in people, there's a, there's a market for it on Ravnica, so they stay very, very successful on Busy Guild.
1: The Splatterfests. What I would say
0: is, part of the issue here is the whole mining thing was a novel plot point kind of offhand in the original novels. And more recently, you know, the Rakdos have... Branched out into other things, but we don't know for sure that they stopped mining. They might still be the mining guild, but they are more primarily the entertainment guild at this point.
1: yep, and we've seen other guilds drift from their original purposes as well.
0: We'll have to see in the art book whether or not they go deeper into that because the d and d book they went into depth on what the guilds are now rather than what they might have been at one point so we'll just see a lot of the guilds do a lot of different things as well so
1: you know what i think is really clever so in the lord of the rings the dwarves in moria mined too deep and awakened the balrog a gigantic <laughs> fire demon on ravnica they took rakdos a giant fire demon and made him in charge of mining oh (laughs) jeez i don't even know if that is intentional or not but i think that's really cute
3: the other funny thing about having them be like the guild of like physical manual labor is that they're not really i wouldn't say they have the best work ethic i wouldn't call them lazy i might call racto's lazy because he lives in a pit and doesn't really do anything or move or leave he doesn't get out of bed ever they're the guild of partying and not really doing anything productive. So, having them be the manual labor guild is, I've always found it to be very funny and ironic.
0: So, let's move on to our main topic for the evening. It is Magic the Gathering Chandra, number one, published by IDW Comics. I believe this is number one of four. It's not clear if they're going to be more after the four issues or if it might switch to another character or something. But the IDW comics, at least the older Magic IDW comics, operated in four comic arcs. And each one started over with number one at the beginning with some new subtitle. So like it went from from Magic the Gathering to The Spell Thief to whatever.
1: Yeah, the Dak Fanon comics tended to keep up with whatever plane the main Magic sets were on. So the first arc was kind of generic, but then they did Innistrad and then Ravnica and then Theros before they ended.
0: The story begins with Chandra saving a small girl, and by extension, some of her family members, from this group of Thalids. I like the artwork because it draws from Thalids over the years, both from Dominaria and Time Spiral and
1: earlier. I really like the visual looks that get mixed in there. By earlier, you mean fallen empires. Yeah, all the way back. You have to say fallen empires, man. Gotta respect the past.
0: Fallen empires. (laughs) She's internal monologuing this whole time about how, you know, people wonder why she goes around saving people rather than just ruling a plane. And I love that her her reasoning is, you know, it's basically Goku. (laughs) If I don't, who will? <laughs>
1: but uh
3: Okay, it's a great, it's, it's a great
0: sentiment. It's a very red sentiment.
3: Hold on. dragon
1: fist come on. Hold on. No. No.
2: I <laughs> there, there, there's a huge difference between those two things. Like Goku could probably could take over a world. Chandra, eh, I don't think she could get very far with most magic worlds. It's...
1: Goku is not the hero people think he is. He's, he's still a Saiyan. He is he he likes getting in fights. Okay, he's not he's not necessarily a great person. He's actually kind of a crappy dad.
0: Piccolo number one dad in a. I was only saying that because it's the same quote from using Dragon Fist. If I don't, who will? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> All right, so let's move on from this. She ends up getting overwhelmed and has a flashback where we see Nicol Bolas's face, and she just creates this, like, huge shockwave of fire that just completely obliterates all of the Thalids in the area and leaves a crater before, you know, moving on from this plane. And we see her doing this on a bunch of different planes. It's a sort of introduction to the multiverse where we see Alara and Tarkir and Ixalan and Chaldeum time, sorry. So much
2: for Jaya's lessons on control.
1: Right? Before we get too far past the reflection of what happened on Ravnica, we are not really given any spoilers about what happens in this third Ravnica set in the Bolas fight. Something tragic. That's all we know. And it's just not clear That's nice, I guess, that we didn't get spoiled, but for me, Ring's a little hollow because we don't actually get any answers then. It is what it is. I still think it's a weird scheduling thing in terms of producing story content.
0: I don't think it's particularly weird. There are a lot of stories where the inciting event isn't revealed until much later.
1: Yeah, but the inciting event that is referenced in this comic is the big culmination of four years of magic story i
3: found it kind of weird too and i know that you're not supposed to be reading this like you have no idea who these characters are but it just feels kind of weird to be referencing something that happened in a different a completely different medium and it's like the major thing
1: that also temporarily in The real world has not happened. And also,
3: we don't know what it is, so it made it, it just was very confusing. But
1: it's tragic, whatever it is, but we got that from the summary. More importantly, after saving this girl and this village, Chandra gives this little girl a masterpiece Kaladesh invention lotus petal. So I I guess uh, her mom's got some deep pockets now that she's part of the consulate. And we do get to go back to Kaladesh afterwards. And Chandra does get to go home. And Ajani's there. Big ol' cat friendo.
3: And he looks very oddly human in the face.
1: Yeah, I mean I I feel like it might be a little hard to
0: draw an expressive uh, cat-man without giving him some human features. He looks a little creepy, but then again, Ajani should be scary. He's a, like, eight-foot-tall cat-man. Lion-man, who, uh, like, You should probably be afraid of eating your face, but he turns out to be super nice and cuddly. My favorite part is his giant hands, though, pouring this tea (laughs) into little cups and from a teapot that's like as big as his thumbnail. (laughs) And then he's like, he's like trying to casually pour all this stuff with Chandra and Sit, and it's just like this great juxtaposition between the two of them. Um, And I kind of liked this moment because... You're not reminded enough in the story that he is a giant, terrifying catman. Like it comes up sometimes at the beginning of stories, but then everyone starts reacting to him, so normally you forget. And so I kind of love that it's reintroduced here as this terrifying guy.
3: Chandra is not really the best character to use for scale right here, because keep in mind she is currently the smallest out of the Gatewatch, or I think out of all the Planeswalkers.
1: Not as small as Domri. Domri's also, like, 15, so...
3: I don't know. Domri might be taller than her. Most teenagers are taller than me.
1: That is fair. If
2: anything, that hug photo, they might be giving her too much credit there.
3: She's on a stool. He's lifting her. She's flying. (laughs) He's crouching. He can say any number of things.
0: I also like that in this whole sequence, Johnny refers to her as Little Candle, which is the nickname he came up for her in the original Kaladesh, I believe. And I love that the two of them hit it off so well that Ajani is the one that came to talk to her about all of this.
1: He's a good guy. He's like legit the good guy planeswalker. And I I too like that their friendship has continued from the Kaladesh block story into this set. And his friendship with Pia too, because he was helping the renegades before he met up with the Gatewatch on Kaladesh.
0: So Ajani has a little bit of a, a talk with Chandra about losing herself in her work to avoid her feelings. It doesn't last very long before Pia comes home, and Pia is very happy to see her, less injured than usual, apparently, and uh, invites Ajani to sit for dinner. However, uh, Ajani's gotta go, but before he leaves, Pia invites him back so that she can tell all sorts of embarrassing stories about Chandra's childhood before she turned 13 and spark, which is just great.
1: It's the best red-aligned parent figure in the multiverse. That's Pia. That's the best comment. I love it so much.
0: The next frame is Chandra shoving a Johnny out the door as he's saying, (laughs) I look forward to it. And she's like, bye! (laughs) (laughs) So there's a lot of great character moments in this piece. And it's just very touching. And it's good to see the Gatewatch's actual friends because so few of them are actually friends you know like Gideon and Chandra are but Jace isn't really good friends with any of them Liliana's the only one who definitely friends. <laughs> yeah Chandra is really the only one who has friends the kite watch wow that's that's so sad
2: though <laughs> i mean yeah dang i never thought about it like that cuz i mean jace and Liliana have their little whatever it is it's not a relationship it's
3: but they're not friends not
2: especially not anymore yeah it's, they're definitely not friends anymore I mean, Jace and Gideon, are, it's growing, I guess.
3: They, at this point, are mostly just a professional relationship. They're more like coworkers than friends, but I would count them.
2: The end of Kaladesh made it seem like Jace would appreciate Gideon more. That's really interesting. I never really gave that a lot of thought, but they
0: don't tend to have a lot of friends except for Chandra. Hmm. Chandra, home alone with her mom, goes, Are you going to lecture me again? And Pia has this really great comment where she goes, No, Chandra, as a mother, I'll always worry about my child, but you are grown now, too old for me to dictate your behavior. Which brings her back in, because, you know, Chandra, usually people are yelling at her or lecturing her on the proper way of doing things, and actually treating her like an adult seems to work here really well. And they sit and uh, agree to have dinner. It's a very nice little scene. And that's right before the story switches back to Ragatha.
3: That also establishes her just within this self-contained story as an adult, because for the rest of the story, she's a very immature character, and it would be easy to mistake her for a teenager. And I'm surprised that more people don't think she's a teenager, because she is not very grown up.
1: For what it's worth, I'm 30, and sometimes it's hard to tell if I'm a teenager or not. So, (laughs) big mood.
0: I'm 33 with a child, and it's also true.
2: Yeah, if it weren't for my hobbies, people would accuse me of being older than I am.
3: Well, y'all know everybody assumes that I'm a teenager, but that's because I'm the baby here.
0: One thing I want to comment on is they move to Regatha next, and before we talk about what actually happens there, the visual design of Regatha is interesting. I'm really glad they pulled from cards like Young Pyromancer and made it this sort of like metropolitan Persian look. It was an interesting take because none of that is really laid out in the novel that takes place on Ragatha.
3: I will also say that um, this is the first time that the architecture and like the urban part of Regatha, has ever been shown visually. We've seen uh, the monastery and we've seen the wilderness and we've seen a little bit of the inside of the monastery from the very old comics. This is the first time we've actually ever seen a town.
1: We don't see it for long, though.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because Chandra decides she has this and decides to use her pyromancy to float a little bit and try and fight all the rocks that are coming down. And predictably, it doesn't go great. She has a great deal of control in this. If you're actually looking at the artwork, it looks very much like she learned something from Jaya. But, you know, a whole volcano erupting is a lot for a single pyromancer to deal with. And as she gets frustrated and overwhelmed, she has another, like, flashback of something horrible happening on Ravnica, although we don't know what. We see a surviving it, obviously, because he appeared earlier in this comic, but we don't learn anything else about those events. After the town is basically destroyed, she finds a young orphan crying in the rubble and saves them from some more debris falling on them. And then that's it for chandra's part of the comic she chandra seems to get buried
3: for anyone who's listening and doesn't know what this plane is this is the plane um if you recall where the monastery of uh, that jaya founded and that she was a leader of for a while where chandra studied um, there's also a whole novel that takes place here so there is more of this plane in magic story you just have to go kind of back a little bit
2: the book is called the purifying fire
3: and it's my favorite book by the way read it please
0: It's very good. It's one of the best post-mending books that exists. Chandra is buried under the rubble. We see the kid she saved still crying and a hand under debris nearby, clearly Chandra being buried. And then from off-panel, we see a line of dialogue, such destruction. And then another, like a foppish boot and a line of dialogue saying, such pain. And then it cuts to a full body shot of Tybalt where he goes, how exquisite.
3: He comes in here like he's some cool guy.
0: (laughs) Like he's some cool guy and not one of the worst Planeswalker cards ever. I honestly, I really want this comic to to redeem him as a villain because he's gotten a bad rap because of his card and not because he's necessarily a bad character or anything. I think the choice to use him was very interesting in a lot of ways. It's interesting to pair someone who manipulates emotions up against Chandra, who's always had trouble controlling her emotions. So in that sense, I think it's a really good matchup. But it's got a lot to live up to, because a lot of people are
1: understandably down on Tybalt because of his card.
3: And all that he's done in the story so far is get his ass kicked.
1: He hasn't done anything in the story so far. This is literally his first canon appearance, and his first lines of dialogue in Magic Story, ever.
0: Yeah, we have a summary of his backstory, but there isn't even a story to go along with the Planeswalker duel deck that he appeared in, where he supposedly fought Sorin, but that's not actually canon. It doesn't appear in a story anywhere,
1: except in the B universe, where that story actually is exists, and the Berenstein Bears is spelled the other way, and everything's just slightly different.
3: And where Annie has teeth.
0: The B universe is that what they call it?
1: This is standard comic stuff. Well, what when there's when there's an A universe and a B universe?
0: Oh, okay, like an Earth 1 and an Earth 2. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. It's when you started talking about the Baron Stain Bears versus the Baron Bears that
1: that you really uh you threw me. The Baron Sanger Bears?
0: Baron Sanger. <laughs>
2: oh no. no.
3: So, Tibble is wearing um A nice little outfit here. Full long sleeves. Keep in mind, this is in the middle of a desert in a ring of active (laughs) volcanoes. Number one, after volcanic eruption. Number two, in the desert. He's gonna definitely have a heat stroke. Maybe that's why he's so red.
1: You gotta look good no matter where you are.
3: This is suffering for fashion.
1: For what it's worth, he is like half devil now. So he's probably fine. He's probably fireproof. At least, maybe. I don't know.
3: If he's fireproof, that's going to make this whole comic kind of difficult. That's fair. She can still punch him.
1: Maybe she has to spit on him. He probably likes that. He's got some smoldering magic of his own in his hands
0: that you can see here.
1: I'm still not super happy with how Tibble was depicted. I know we had gone off a little bit when the Shonda number three cover was revealed and Honestly, this image doesn't do anything to fix what I think is going to be a Tybalt that skews too badass than what his first card's art kind of implied. He's kind of a dandy, has that kind of David Bowie-esque androgyny, and this picture is just like a dude with an undercut, and I don't know how I feel about that.
3: I'm very worried that he's going to end up being kind of a two-dimensional, just a generic mustache-twirling bad guy who likes to hurt people. Yeah, I I have my hopes high. It's only a four-issue story, so there's not much they can do.
2: I can't wait for the monologue. You know it's coming and someone's going to sneak up behind him and whack him on the back of the head. That's the kind of villain that he strikes me as with this image.
0: He's had, you know, three lines of dialogue that were like two words each so far. And, like, one pose to try and introduce him as a menacing foe. So I'm looking forward to the next issue, because I think this was a good introduction. And I'm hoping he gets a little better fleshed out next time.
1: Yeah, next issue should pick up with the actual fights. This one was pretty introductory. I think if you're a longtime Magic Story fan, Chandra number one, Probably doesn't seem too interesting, but this comic seems fantastic for getting new fans in, which I think was the higher-valued goal for it.
0: That's one of the things I wanted to say,
1: yeah. Chandra goes through and explains, like, the metaphysics of planeswalking and planeswalkers and the multiverse, so if you had no idea what magic was about, this comic explains it, and it introduces you to who Chandra is and what she cares about. And also this comic kind of introduces, I think, what the themes are going to be and the way Chandra is dealing with her trauma and her very red-aligned desire for action rather than introspection and unpacking her emotional state, which both Ajani and her mother are concerned about her regarding. So it does a lot of setup work. And then I think the next three issues will be a lot more of the, the meaty action and drama. But it it's a good start, and I enjoyed it. And there's lots of cute little moments in the story and in the art, like with the Lotus Petal and with the Thalid referencing a lot of older designs. And for what it's worth, I'm a little worried about Tybalt, but... The fact that Tybalt's actually here and, like, we have a magic story with Tybalt is incredible. I can't believe we made it.
0: Yeah, one of the things I wanted to say is, like, Tybalt is a six-year-old character.
3: He's tall for a (laughs) six-year-old.
0: You know, he's got a lot of baggage associated with him because people already assume a lot of things about him because of the card or because of the dual deck. It's it's going to be an uphill battle for the character regardless. I also think this comic might make a great jumping-on point post-Origins, because we now have, what, three going on four years of lore baggage with the Gatewatch, and having a comic book that is a great introduction taking place after the major Gatewatch arc ends might be something good to have to be able to introduce new players. Like, if I want to jump on now and get caught up immediately, what should I start with? And being able to tell someone, well, you know, if you've got 20 bucks or $16, you know, the Chandra number one trade might be the best place to start for you.
1: I have felt the fatigue of, if you want to understand the the conclusion to this Baldur's Ark, now you do have four years of Magic Story to read, which is a lot more than when there was like a year of Magic Story to read, which is it's just a function of time and a function of Magic as a single, continuous, ongoing story. Every so often, you'll just have to refresh people and get them integrated into the story. It, it's a problem that Magic Story and the people who create it have to solve, and I think in the wake of Bolus, it's going to be easier, and I think this comic is... A good entry point, especially in an easily accessible medium. Did you
0: want to talk about Kaldheim?
1: Damn straight I want to talk about Kaldheim. Look, Kaldheim first appeared in Plane Chase on a plane card called Skybrain, which is a big icy mountain with powerful winds. And then it didn't appear again until Duels of the Planeswalkers 2014, where it was the plane that the final showdown in the game took place on where Chandra confronts Ramaz, the bolus-pawn planeswalker who manipulated her into stealing the dragon scroll. So, why is Kaldheim important now? It has been name-dropped twice this year in Magic Story. Earlier in Rivals of Ixalan, Angrath makes an offhand comment about it, and it is now name-dropped here again in Chandra number one. You don't name-drop esoteric things multiple times in one year, unless it means something, right?
0: It's kind of like when they kept name-dropping Dominaria?
1: Yeah, and then we went to Dominaria. And we know things are going to be wide open after this bolus arc. And we know, from Mark Rosewater's article, Tell Me What You Want, the stuff that magic players want most has almost all been finished. And Jay, you, because you bring this up a lot, what is the one thing from that article that they haven't done yet?
0: Oh, I forget now. <laughs> Damn it, Jay.
1: It's Viking World.
3: And I love Vikings, so that's very exciting to me. If you know me, that's one of the things I talk about way too much.
1: Kaldheim, in naming convention and established flavor, is Viking World. It is Snow World... Well, n- not necessarily snow as a mechanic. I-, I don't know if they would bring that back. But it is definitely like snow as a visual aesthetic, which might be neat after the Autumn of Ravnica. And if we're gonna go to big, bold new things after the Bolas arc, we could see Kaldheim coming up next year, potentially next fall. Suskia.
3: And I have a theory about that. So here's what's gonna happen. Chandra is knocked out, and she planes walks this plane, and she knocks out. She wakes up. She's on a cart, just heading through the mountains. No. And the person next <laughs> to her says, "Hey, you. Ashley. You're finally awake. You were trying to cross the border, right? Walked right into that imperial ambush, same as <laughs> us and that thief over there. And that's how it begins. Uh, uh, but listen. To murder me this episode. But listen." <laughs>
0: I can't even say it. The, the moment you said cart, I'm like, no, she's going for Skyrim. Of course she is.
3: I can't even say it. But instead of, they have to fight Bolas, obviously.
1: To clarify, because of my position, I honestly have no idea what Next Wall's set actually is. I have no idea if Kaldheim is coming up. But look, as much as I can speculate about future things, pay attention to Kaldheim. Something has to be happening with that plane because it keeps showing up twice now in one year. I've got my tinfoil hat on. It's a little chilly in the cold because it's made of metal. Maybe I should get a hat made out of like meteoric iron or something. A Mjolnir hat? Oh, God. Uh, made out I of don't know.
0: Uthuru or whatever it's called.
1: Maybe I'll just get the Viking hats from the Minnesota Vikings with the yellow braid and Ew. Skull and... Ew. Ew.
2: <laughs> Ew. Don't do that. No. Hey, uh,
1: Brian, how are the Packers doing this year?
0: Don't, 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 don't. <laughs> and now that it's gotten brutal, let's move on to final thoughts. My final thought is that I own the hardbound collection of all the Dak Faden comics. And I hope that whenever they finish these new Magic comics, they release a similar one because I I like it a lot. And I also like that at the end of the digital version of the Chandra comic, at least they advertise for the old IDW comics
1: for Dak. Yeah, that was neat. Lorelai. My final thought is that they are going to have a four issue paperback. I think Kaburi on Twitter found it, and I saw it on thursday when we record so at least one physical compendium of these four issues is going to exist so jay you will get your thing hooray oh i meant the the hardcover giant collection that has like 18 issues in it oh well that will be different well then never mind then brian my final thought
2: gosh darn it it fled when you started talking about the Vikings and the Packers. Gosh darn it. My final thought is that shoot. Packers still have a chance at the playoffs. Slash rant. So flustered right now.
1: Yeah,
0: I got you good. Ashley, final thought.
3: Alright, my final thought is while we're just off topic talking about Skyrim and seriously? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Come here, Annie, I'll protect you. Is that a fire alarm? Yeah. That's her greatest fear in the whole world.
0: So this ending has descended into chaos.
3: I just got a brand new computer on which I can play Skyrim.
0: Oh yeah, you got to send us pictures of the new computer.
3: It's got rainbow LEDs.
1: If you would like to see some pictures of Ashley's fancy new computer, it's actually really, really cool looking. It does have lots of really cool lights on it. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash cast Everyone who donates to support the show will gain access to our Discord community. On there are pictures of Ashley's fancy new computer, also pictures of Annie, and lots of other fans and cast members' pets. And, like we mentioned earlier, a Smash Bros. voice chat. So challenge everyone in the Vorthos community today, or tomorrow, or the day after, or any other day of the week. So, we'd like to thank everyone who has supported our show, and we're going to have some interesting stuff coming up in the future for Patreon as well. So, stay tuned for some new stuff in 2019.
0: Thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos Cast.